Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, December 14th edition. In our new Wednesday time slot, we're here with Showdown Joe. Joe, what's up? Well, not much until uh, that information came out last night about uh, Cyborg not fighting for that 145-pound title. I didn't even care about the news. I was like, oh, Sean's just going to lose his marble. So I'm going to throw it back to you, partner. So here's the big news. The UFC has booked a featherweight championship fight. Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandamy, UFC 208, Brooklyn, early February. Chris Cyborg nowhere to be found in this situation. I'm really excited to see what you think about about this because it's all over the place, in my opinion. Well, it's totally all over the place. I mean, the, the same thing I mentioned to you, you know, last night and when we first got the news was make any sense, but it does make sense from a UFC perspective. It's their way of kind of sticking it to, you know, to Cyborg, who's eventually going to be their champion. If she ever competes for that title, um, I think she's going to, she, she beats everyone in the division, including Holly Holm. So um, it's almost like, a, I hate to say it, an interim title fight uh, until Cyborg can actually compete. Now, can Holly Holm defeat uh, Cyborg, 100%. Can Geraldine do it? Yes, absolutely. But I just think Cyborg at 145 is the ultimate woman uh, in that division. So it's just a matter of, okay, let's get a title out there. Let's piss off Cyborg. Let's get her focused in this, this, and that. And you know, I saw her, uh, I don't know if it's, like you said, I don't know if it's her who tweets from that account or if it's someone that's managing that account. Probably is the latter um, that she was trying to recover from the very difficult weight cut. Um, definitely, definitely not her. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's somebody else. you're not, I don't know about the whole recovering from a bad weight cut. I, I've, I've never had to cut that much weight in my life. Uh, I think the most I've ever cut was, you know, two pounds, three pounds. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, Sean, where it's like, okay, really, uh, are we playing this gossip, this politics game, this this silly, okay, listen, she's going to fight for this title one day. Fine. You want to have, um, you know, Holly and, and Geraldine compete on it? No problem. Eventually, Cyber is going to fight it, and I think she's going to win it. There's a lot to this situation. There's a whole lot to this situation. Okay. So Cyborg is pissed a little bit. Perhaps understandably so. I see things from both ends here. The UFC has a real gap to bridge right now. Conor McGregor won't be back until the summer at minimum. If he's having a kid in May, he's not coming back for a few months after that. Ronda Rousey fights in December. You don't know what the future holds for her after that fight. John Jones isn't back until July. Brock Lesnar, if he even wanted to fight, not back till July at, at the earliest. 
the UFC has to stack these shows in the interim. This is one of those situations. Like, I wouldn't be surprised this, this Brooklyn show is probably going to have two, maybe three title fights on it. Uh, good. They should be doing that. They offered two fights to Chris Cyborg. She said no. Now, granted, Holly Holm said no to Cyborg, too, her camp. But, I mean, he, here's the situation. Holly Holm said yes to at least one of the people involved in this formula. Chris Cyborg said no to two of them. Now, there are a lot of people that are like, uh, Cyborg deserves it, she deserves it. Well, she does, but I mean, you can't be in title contention if you don't take fights. That's, it's pretty simple, and I, I'm sure she's going to get that opportunity. Probably, maybe even uh, as, as early as spring, summer. I'm sure she will. She, she does deserve that. You got to take the fights, though, and she says she's recovering from a rough weight cut, as Ian Kidd says, and he is one of the, he's writing a book about weight cutting. He says, a lot of my body needs to recover statements from Cyborg, but never any actual medical issue identified other than severe depression. That's true. She's, if she, mm. He also said, it, it strikes me that her parting comment about severe depression has much more to do with this than any physiological issue. And uh, he can't think of a single medical issue that would stop uh, Cyborg from making weight in 10 weeks, but not 12. The thing is, I was hoping that this 145-pound situation, Joe, would stop the Cyborg stigma. You know what I mean? The the stigma that she has had associated with her for making commitments and then not following up with them. Whether it's 135 pounds, whether it's 140 pounds. Now it's 145 pounds she can't make in time. There, there are a lot of things. I mean, she, she rejected a fight with Jermaine Durandamy last year or this year. There's a lot of I – don't, I don't know. I, 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 expand upon your thoughts, please. It, it, listen, nothing that has ever come our way regarding Cyborg has been – uh, easy to digest and easy to understand. The only time that makes sense is when she actually steps into the to the octagon or, or any fighting surface and actually competes, and we get to see uh, this woman who's an absolute destroyer uh, and, and will go down as, as arguably the greatest of all time. I mean, she's just uh, a sight to behold and, and just a devastating puncher, uh, underrated, obviously, jiu-jitsu game. She can definitely do a lot of damage. It's just anything and everything to her with her and the UFC has always been, you know, just drama has just been dramatical and you know I, I understand that you know she did turn down these fights and and it doesn't make sense uh in most of our eyes i don't, I don't think she's afraid of anyone out there uh, it's just so weird how it, it plays out and listen let's be honest there's some you know there's some weird fighters out there and weird uh you know auras and situations around them it's not you know it's just you look at some of the um other Brazilian fighters with, you know, Jose Aldo Jr. and how some of that stuff doesn't make sense. When Hannah Barrow was the champ, a lot of the stuff surrounding him didn't make sense. So, uh, you know, you look at some of the, the European fighters, the, the Japanese fighters, even American fighters, a lot of stuff just doesn't make sense where you're like, what? Huh? That, that, that's odd. That's crazy. Look at the John Jones story. How many times do we have to look at John Jones and realize, mess? Is he is he ever going to recover from the damage that he's caused in his own career? Is he going to stop getting himself in trouble? So there's always drama in the world of mixed martial arts, but just in terms of cyborg, it's just weird and, and just the way that, that this is being handled. It's just going to be a small, in my opinion, asterisk and blip on the radar. She will never go sure. down as the first UFC 145 pound champion. That will always be hung over her head, uh, whether um, you know deserve it or not. But she'll never have that. But she'll likely go down as as the most dominant 145 pound champion uh, in history or for. For a very, very long time. I don't doubt that at all. And there are a lot of people saying, well, why didn't they just award her the title like they did Rousey? Well, there's a big difference here. Uh, Cyborg is the Invicta FC featherweight champion. They, at least as of yet, have not absorbed a Invicta. The UFC had bought and owned Strikeforce. That's just simply why that happened. Same thing with the, the WEC. And, and I mean, they, Cyborg's people got to stop. Cyborg's people do much worse for her than, than she does for herself because you got her account saying on Twitter right now, if it was made for me, why promote it at a time when they need to let my body, when they know I need to let my body recover? Hey, you know, progress can happen because of somebody, but it waits for no one. 
Yes. Good, 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 good analogy. That's she's she's expecting them to wait at a time they really can't wait. WME IMG don't want to wait right now, and that's understandable. Hey, I think Cyborg should be in the first one. I wish they would have just let it happen uh, in March, but I'm not I'm not hating on the fact that they're doing it in February. Now, the idea that they're doing it with somebody who lost two fights in a row that sucks. But we've seen some weird stuff. We just saw a guy in Anthony Pettis who's won like one of his last five or six fights fighting for an interim title. We saw Alexander Gustafson last year coming off of a loss compete for a light heavyweight title, and he never fights. That guy never fights. Like three times in two years, if you're lucky, Alexander Gustafson will fight. And uh, Cyborg gets in the cage. She stays active. She fights people. Now, the Holly Holm thing, I think they took a look at those ratings against Shevchenko, and they said, yeah, we could do this because, boy, that got some great ratings. Now, yep. here, here's the next thing I got to say. It looks like they're going to be bringing in maybe some – I don't want to say – I don't see a lot of these girls competing at 145 full-time. I see a lot of guest stars, per se, from that 135 division. How are they going to super glue this thing together and make it work? Yeah, you're right. You're you're 100 right. I mean, we we gone we've gone through the depth at 145 when we did the uh, the rankings check and we checked the various sites and you know there just isn't much out there and you know they're they're not going to get those girls over from Bellator I don't think uh, so that's just not going to make any sense. Um, so yeah, you're going to have a lot of guest appearances. All right, whose turn is it to move up and and compete? Um, Shevchenko, I wouldn't mind seeing. Shevchenko, I wouldn't mind seeing moving up there. Um, you know. I think she's a badass, but I, I, could, I thought Shevchenko would probably fight at 125 if she had the option. Yeah, that's that's another thing. Like, I mean, you talk about guest fighters. I mean, moving up, uh, are we going to have guest fighters going? You know, this whole like just create this 125 pound division, please. Let's just do this. I mean, uh, I, I mean, agree that Johanna's going to move up to 125. Here's the thing, Joe. Like, do you think? And I wanted to ask you this. Do you think that the UFC creating this 145 pound division reduces the op- or the chance that they'll create a 125 division, or do you think they're? Go- I mean, Valerie Letourneau looked miserable, and I mean, ah oh, man, you got Shevchenko, you got Jessica I. Jessica I might be a top five, top five, top ten fighter at that division. Um, who else you got? I'm sure Gedalia would love to fight at 125. Now, I'm sure that if Joanna moves up, Gedalia's sticking around at 115 so she can get that title. Um, yes. But so, so, so to just address your question real quick, that 145-pound weight class being created, uh, in my opinion, is just the next domino to fall is to create that 125-pound weight class. Uh, and that way that you will have 115, 125, 135, and 145. Uh, and then it'll take time to not only sift itself out who's competing where, but you can have so many of these fighters move up and down uh, and continually get great fights. There might be more fights available for these ladies. I mean, who doesn't love seeing the ladies compete? And it'll be more options for them to compete in. If I were the UFC, I would fully invest in Invicta as the feeder league. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. I mean – that, that's that's appealing. The people that you may see in the UFC sooner than later, the official feeder league for that that women's division. Um, because Joe, we we've seen it. These women get cult followings much quicker than the men do. Generally, uh, it, it's just the way it's always worked. Now, I could see a situation where at one fifteen you've got Esparza, Gadelia, Carolina, uh, Carolina uh, Rose, Tisha Torres, Paige Van Zant, uh, Watterson. Alexa Grasso, Lima at 115, that's pretty solid. That's pretty damn solid. At 125, Joanna, I, Shevchenko, Carmouche, Pennington, Calderwood, Andrade, uh, Ashley Daly, Caitlin Chikagan, Valerie Letourneau, that's also solid, Joe. The real issue is what happens to 135 and 145. Like, I don't know if this 145-pound division is going to be a full-time thing. Like, what are they doing? Are they, are they bringing in Charmaine Tweet and – Megan Anderson or there are so many unanswered questions. I hope they answer them sooner than later. Again, proof positive. 
it makes more sense to, to create a 125-pound division than it does to create a 145-pound division for one person, really, which is Cyborg, who they've not, they're not even given the title shot to, whereas a 125-pound division, you've got so much more depth that you can you know, handpick, pick and choose from, and there's more talent that would go up and down or uh, into that division. So it is, it is sort of strange when you think about the logistics. You want a new champion, you want another champion, create a 125-pound division. You'll have another women's champion uh, in a heartbeat. I have a great idea. Cyborg can fight for the interim featherweight title in March. Fixed it. Done. Done. That's all we need. Interim title <laughs> in March. She can face some, like, punk they would have thrown at her next. That's to steal a line from uh, Luke Thomas of MMA Fighting. He does some great work. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about this as the show goes on. You a Game of Thrones watcher, Joe? Do you watch Game of Thrones? No, I don't. I, you know what? Game of Thrones and, and The Walking Dead and so many good television shows that are out there. I, I, I just uh, I was on a, a podcast yesterday and I got that asked that very question. You know, what kind of stuff do I watch? Unfortunately, because of my time, when you have you know three businesses that you operate, television is just not an option. And when I do get a chance to watch television, Sean, my brain shuts down. I can't get past seven to eight minutes of any television show that I decide to watch without the television watching me real quick. Well, Conor McGregor seems to be poised for an appearance. That's big for him. That's one of the biggest shows in the world. He keeps, you know, he's going to stay busy during this time off. Uh, you think he gets into more acting during this hiatus? Oh, yeah. He's got the money bug. Uh, he knows what it's like to, to, you know, once you take your, your, of your personal stock and you escalate it the way he has you want to capitalize on the revenue that you can generate with the small window that you have so if he can get out there and make money and not put any stress uh on his girlfriend who's having the baby opinion also submission underground to the other day misha tate beat jessica i john jones completely dominated dan henderson like wasn't even close either of those results surprise you no, not at all. I mean, we saw that coming uh, from a mile away, with, especially with the John Jones, uh, Dan Henderson. Nothing wrong with Dan Henderson, but John Jones is obviously a stronger fighter at the moment. Uh, there's a size difference there, and, and you know, is John Jones. Uh, um, the Misha Tate, Jessica, I, yeah, you know, I, I figured Misha was going to win. Uh, uh, I'd like to see more um, for Misha, to be honest. I, I don't want to see Misha leave just yet. I know she won't be competing in MMA, but I know she's happy with her retirement and she had fun uh, at the event. But I, I'd like to see Misha's name in the headlines uh, a lot more as well. Issa says, you guys are a vision in the daylight. This is like a different Joe and SRS. I like the, I like the afternoon shows. I love them. But Yeah, absolutely love it. Guys, if you all haven't already, visit Fightful.com. Go register for an absolutely free account uh, to get exclusive early access to some of our podcasts, like with, with Matt Riddle, Shane Helms, some of our uh, pro series articles coming from the likes of Joe, Matt, or not Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle doesn't write. Uh, EC3, <laughs> Deanna Perrazzo, uh, Jason Kincaid, all kinds of cool names we have uh, lined up for you. I asked EC3, what are you going to write about? And he threw me some pretty interesting ideas, all of which that I were just like, have at it, man. Uh, also, our live coverage. We have more live coverage than any website on the net. Monday's Raw, Tuesday's SmackDown, Wednesday. Well, tonight we have tribute to the troops, but also uh, SmackDown, or not SmackDown Wednesday, NXT and Lucha Underground, Thursday, TNA Impact. Uh, by the way, Shane Helms and I will be doing a live reaction to Total Nonstop Deletion. Saturday, this Saturday, UFC on Fox. Come hang out, talk. Maybe you watch the shows, watch our shows. Then you go watch the UFC shows all at, all by yourself at home. Come in there and talk some trash to our mods. They're always in there doing something. That's of course, nice. Sunday, Roadblock. And we'll have a podcast sometime, either right after the show or maybe the next day uh, covering the UFC show. But yeah, let's get into that UFC show, Joe. UFC on Fox 22. Age Van Zant, Michelle Watterson. Now, Michelle Watterson is a very undersized 115-pounder. Meanwhile, Paige Van Zant kind of tossed her name into the 125-pound ring, which I will bring up later. How do you think this plays out? To me, I mean, Michelle Watterson is a very uh, 
a much more refined technical striker, but Paige Van Zant doesn't get enough credit for how tough she really is. That is the exact breakdown uh, when I look at this fight on a surface level. You got, you know, Michelle Watterson, who's, who's technically speaking, uh, her dexterity uh, and everything that she does, even on the ground, uh, is fantastic. The way she's able to, you know, turn her hips over and everything that she does, whether it's striking, uh, kicking, footwork, uh, even on the ground. But Paige Van Zandt is tough as nails and she could surprise a lot of people like she does with that jumping, you know, kicks and stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to give the edge to Paige Van Zandt in this fight here. Uh, only because she's going to be the bigger, likely stronger fighter. And I think she can take the abuse uh, that anything that, that is going to throw her way. Uh, other than that, it's a dangerous uh, game plan to have. But I think Paige Van Zandt will emerge victorious in this main event. Yeah, for all the criticism that, that Paige Van Zandt gets, they throw her into the fire. I mean, Felice Herrig, that was not an easy fight uh, to, to book her in. Rose Namajunas, that sure as hell wasn't an easy one. And she somehow made it to the fifth round. Uh, Beck Rawlings, another one, and uh, Beck is a huge, huge women's strawweight fighter. And now another top 15 opponent in Michelle Watterson. Did you expect the UFC to move her on a little more slowly, given her marketability, given her her crossover appeal, Dancing with the Stars? Uh, Did you expect a different career career arc for uh, Paige Van Zandt? No, not at all. I think I think she's just doing the same thing as you know, uh, a lot of the fighters have done in the past. You know, just you you need to capitalize uh, on your brand with the small window that you have, and then be able to do stuff outside of fighting when it's all said and done. Because fighting in general, we all know, can end in a heartbeat. Anything can happen. Well, you're one injury away, you're one knockout away, you're one bad you know ct scan away from you know having to find another career so i'm very very happy for for people like Paige van zan and i even michelle watterson she could find a way uh to, to get out there and, and do a lot more because these are these are the type of athletes uh that have that look that can um and i'm not talking about beauty it's more than just the beauty it's it's the look it's it's the whole um i don't want to use uh front row brian's gimmick quote but they've got something about them uh, almost like an aura or a an element to them, that it factor that they can take outside of fighting. Uh, and don't get me wrong. They, they fight for a variety of reasons. Number one, uh, it's not probably because of the money. Some of it is because of the money, but not as much as they probably would like to have, but because they love it. And if you love doing it, you get paid for what you love doing, get it done. But if you can do something outside of fighting, a.k.a. look at what Ronda Rousey uh, has, has done with her career, just do it. I mean, we love you because you're, we're talking about you, and we absolutely love it. We get to break down your fights and stuff like that. But the bottom line is uh, health before anything, health before headlines, in my opinion. So do what you got to do. And, and, and both of these two uh, can do a lot more than just fight. Uh, I'm just glad that they're, they're, they're main eventing this card here. We get to see two lovely ladies go at it. And, you know, it always breaks my heart when I see two beautiful women just beat the crap out of each other. But it's mixed martial arts. It's not ping pong. So I got a question for you. With a win, how close are either of these women to a title shot? Which is terrifying to think because Joanna is Joanna, but Gedalia lost. Carolina lost. Esparza is passing up high-level fights. Uh, Nama Yunus just got a title shot recently. Uh, Tisha Torres just lost. Joanne Calderwood, I believe, just lost. Uh, you have Andrade there. She's won two in a row, and she's beat Panay and Calderwood. So I, I would imagine she's next in line. But uh, after all those names, you got Paige Van Zant sitting right there. And Michelle Watterson isn't far behind at 12. If she wins, I would imagine she leapfrogs Van Zant in the rankings, you, you would think. I, you never know with the, this rankings panel. <laughs> it's not unreasonable to think that the winner of this fight, especially Paige Van Zant, could be very close to a title shot. Well, huh? 100%. I think um, in, in you explaining and going through what you just did there kind of answers the question of what will happen with the winner of this fight. I think Paige, obviously, with a victory, moves much, much closer to a potential title fight. Uh, thank you very much. There's your reward, Johanna Jacek. Yeah, good for you. Uh, and then Michelle would basically kind of, you know, you would logically think that she does leapfrog Paige in the rankings or at least moves much closer. Uh, but I don't think she'd be getting a title shot anytime soon. She'd have to win at least one or two more fights. But Paige winning uh, really puts only because of what Johanna's done to the division. It's getting to the point like Demetrius Johnson, uh, like fighters that are just so dominant as champions. Who's next? Uh, even like Dominic Cruz. I mean, uh, not to say Cody doesn't deserve that title shot. It's to the point where, okay, well, 
what's next? Who's next? You know, we got John Lineker, who I saw, by the way, uh, at the last Titan show. I tried to go say hi, but holy disaster uh, to get that show uh, and to get our stuff mic'd up and ready to go. We're going through some stuff there, but I want to say hi to John Lineker. But in general, um, the two ladies here, Paige moves much, much closer, obviously, with a victory, uh, as opposed to Michelle, who's going to probably have to win one or two more fights. Yeah, Michelle hasn't been able to get in the cage for a year and a half. That's that's an issue. Uh, but Andrade is right there, and Andrade is you know, if they booked Andrade versus Joanna tomorrow, hey, sign me up. Cool, I'm okay with it. Put that in Brooklyn too. That uh, Joanna seems to have to have adopted Brook, uh, New York, and really they love her there, and she loves them. So I'd be cool with that, but. Uh, if Watterson could get in the cage with more regularity, this is going to be her second fight in two years. I could see that. Uh, Van Zant, though, she's knocking on the door. That's another thing. We talk about this 125 division, Joe. <laughs> they build a 125 division, and Joanna's going up. Uh, there are a couple girls that are going up. Paige Van Zant all of a sudden is a top five fighter, and a legit top five fighter in that division if they create a 125 division, and she sticks around at 115. I think that she is much, much better than anybody. Well, not than anybody, than most people give her credit for. It's We talked about the cyborg stigma. Van Zandt has almost the opposite thing, where she's she doesn't really care who she fights, and she'll always at least give it her all and make it a fight. And because of, of her looks, she's maybe not taken as seriously. And I, I don't yeah, see this, this is- as a Sage Northcutt situation. I don't. That's an extremely valid point, and I, I don't care if people uh, can comment on that and disagree with it. It's, it's unfortunately, it's a fact. They won't take her seriously uh, because of how beautiful she is, and and she's a legit badass. Uh, just go watch her fights. Just because she's got the blonde hair, blue eyes, American princess sort of look, doesn't mean she's a badass fighter. She is a badass fighter. No ifs, ands, or buts. And throw away the looks and let them compete. I mean, we've seen what she's done uh, in the octagon on, on in the octagon on numerous occasions. So forget the looks. Let her go. Have the referee step out of the way and just watch her, you know, you know, do her art. And and she's a badass woman when it comes to fighting. So uh, forget what you think about her physically. Take a look at her as a as a competitor uh, and you have to be impressed. If you're not impressed, say Northcutt Mickey Gall. What a fight this is. <laughs> This is a wonderfully booked fight. Sage Northcutt will not commit to the hair versus hair stipulation. I love that Mickey Gall tossed that out, that he said, let's make this a hair versus hair match. I think that, I think that was brilliant to do. Uh, I think it was Tom Lawler and I can't remember who else that offered to do that before, but it didn't work. Mickey Gall, we know he's exceptional on the ground. He's a brown belt. Sage Northcutt. A pretty solid, a pretty pretty damn good striker, but on the ground, duty, not good. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if Mickey Gall got Sage Northcutt to the ground and he was able to tap him out quicker on the ground than he was CM Punk. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Northcutt is not better than CM Punk. I'm saying based on what I've seen and a lot of how Sage Northcutt stays flat on his back when he's on his back instead of getting up on his hips working to shrimp out, working to scramble, that could be bad news. Now, there's a lot of unknown in this fight too, Joe. But uh, considering where both of these guys are in their career, I think it's a great, great, uh, ma- great matchmaking. Well, uh, Mickey asks, Mickey, Mickey gets, right? So um, I, I, I laughed when he did it after the, the CM Punk fight, uh, but he got what he wanted. Uh, UFC wants to see it. It's a co-main event. And yeah, now, you know, technically I wasn't excited for it originally. Now I am excited for it because it's going to happen. And, you know, we get to break it down and look at it. But yeah, you're, I don't, I don't know if, if Sage is as bad uh, as you're making it out to be. He's not as good. Oh, he's not terrible. And I'm right on that, Sean. But at the same time, I, I'm going to give him a little bit more credit uh, than you are. I think he can, if he's smart, survive down there. But he that he does stop at certain points, and you cannot stop underneath Mickey Gall because he will just basin. And you know, I don't think the UFC wants uh, Sage Northcutt's face to get caved in, and that's what Mickey Gall's job is going to be when he steps in there, um, you know, on Saturday night. So. 
I like this fight. If Sage keeps his standing up, uses his footwork, is fully aware of where the fence is, and, and gets out of dodge, there's a button that we all have inside uh, that I learned about a long time ago in the late 90s, early 2000s. It's a button that says, forget technique, forget about shrimping, forget about hip escapes, get the F out of dodge. He needs to hit that button if Mickey Gall takes him down on the ground or, or gets to any, any sort of position that he could stabilize. Get out of there. If you're close to the cage, get out. Because if he, Mickey takes you down, it's going to be a very difficult night uh, for Sage Northcutt. And the same thing for Mickey Gall. You got to get this fight down. You got to close the distance. You got to be willing to potentially eat uh, some shots to get your takedown. I'm sure that's nothing he's never heard of before, uh, and I'm sure it's what he's worked on during training. And with uh, with Sage Northcutt, bah, I guess so. But why? You're so much better than him on the ground. Get this fight to the ground. It's mixed martial arts. So um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be another one of those. Um, uh, what's the which fight did we just see recently? Um, with uh, oh, what's the one? The uh, Jitsu versus um, oh my god, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, Tristar. Hell, I don't know. Oh, Ryan hey. Hall, Gray Maynard. Ryan Hall. Oh, look at that! You got the Alpha Brain. I got the Alpha Brain, and it's not working for me right now. What's going on on it? Hey. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Uh, hey, yeah. you know what? I do the shroom tech. Go go to our podcast and click that on it link, guys. You can have the energy of Sean Rossap, who does <laughs> 732 podcasts a week. Yes, Ryan Hall, we also Greg have, Maynard was what I was trying to say. Thank you for, for being able to read my mind. Maybe that's another uh, nice, beautiful after effect or, or um, a tangible from on it. You can read my mind. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll see that type of fight. But uh, look for Mickey Gall to try and close the distance, get this fight down on the ground, and just punish Sage Northcutt for daring to even sign on the dotted line. Then we have, really, the, the Sacramento main event. Uriah Faber in his retirement fight against Brad Pickett. Brad Pickett probably should have been cut. He has lost four of his last five. His one victory was a split decision over Francisco Rivera. Uh, before that, you know, he's not won two fights in a row since 2012. He's rough go of it. He hasn't had any like fight of the nights, anything like that in years. But and he used to be known for that. It's like every single fight he had was fight of the night, knockout of the night, submission of the night. I think he had six or seven bonuses hasn't been the case lately so the UFC says okay we'll give you another shot we'll give you Uriah Faber in his hometown in his retirement fight best of luck buddy here you go do you think Uriah Faber fights again after this fight and how do you think it goes so what was the last portion does Uriah Faber fight after this yes do you think that he will ever fight again or do you think he'll stick to his guns I think he's going to stick to his guns, although I'm, I'm kind of disappointed he's not the, the main event slash co-main event on this card. Um, I think he will stick to his guns. I think he's realized that, okay, time has come. Let's let's remain healthy. Uh, you know, Brad Pickett, as much as we look at, at, at his record, he's not as bad as we probably think he is. He's, he's not as good as he once was. Uh, you know, father time gets the best of everyone. We all know that. Uh, but I think Uriah Faber does emerge victorious here. I don't think it's going too far in a limb to say that uh although Pickett does have the opportunity uh to do you know to, to shock and awe a lot of people especially Uriah um I I just think that really too much uh, as long as he keeps his emotions in check which I'm sure he will because he is a veteran of the sport uh and doesn't you know have one foot out the cage uh, before he even steps in there because you know he's still got to fight he's still got to do good uh so I do think he's going to be fine in this fight and, and I, I just think that you know Brad's in you know Will Brad continue to compete after this? That's the real question. Will he be still around? Uh, will the UFC keep him around if he loses again? And that, that's another question there. But I think Uriah emerges victorious, has his hand raised, and I just wish he was the co-main event or main event on this card. going to be interesting to see how uh, Faber looks in this fight. I think he's going to win. I don't think there's really any discussion there. I think Pickett loses and probably gets bounced from the UFC. Um, it'll be a nice send-off for, for Uriah Faber, I think.
We have Alan Jabon, who has won four of his last five, taking on an emerging star in Mike Perry, who has just exploded onto the scene, had two big knockout wins. Do you think he gets a third? I mean, Mike Perry is one of those guys, like, you either love him or you hate him. He's a very brash type of personality, as is his teammate Alex Nicholson. Three wins in the course of four months, that's a hell of a way to make an entrance into the UFC, Joe, and that's what Mike Perry is looking to do on this Fox main card. That that shows you how much they think of Mike Perry. They're having him open this Fox main card. Exactly. Uh, and, and against a guy like Alan Joubin, who's going to bring it no matter what. Uh, I, I still laugh at a guy who's a model. Uh, he likes to get punched in the face. Like, Talk about a complete 180 in terms of careers. I need my face to look pretty so I can get in front of the camera, and I got to fight. It's just, it's, it's just such a weird, weird almost you know, oxymoron. But this is, this is you know, another party for Mike Perry, I guess you can say, because he has the opportunity. Because you know that this this matchup, the, the the way these two match up, could be fight of the night. It's got fight of the night written all over it. Uh, look for a bomb fest in this one here, because neither guy is going to back down. Uh, both guys can take uh, a fair amount of damage. So I wouldn't be surprised if this one goes the full 50 minutes uh, and is a fight of the night candidate, because these two guys are, are or someone goes to sleep real quick. Because uh, Perry's got that power, he's got that power, and Joe Ben's got that um, really good. He, his combinations are tight, they're slick, uh, and he's fantastic on the ground as well. So uh, this this is one of those fights that you know, as soon as that referee steps out of the way, I'm not looking at my phone, Sean. I'm just going to sit there and enjoy this one because this one's going to be very, very fun to watch. There's some good fights on this uh, prelim show as well, but uh, the Cole Miller fight. I'm not as interested in the fight as I am what's been going on with Cole Miller. He was super pissed about the the Philippine show being canceled. Says that he can't get a meeting with the UFC. Now, uh, here's the issue. New ownership. And to be honest, WME IMG might not know who the hell Cole Miller is. That's, That's unfortunate, but it's true. He's been there for nine years, nine and a half years. Good gosh, he's fought like probably two dozen times. They might not know who the hell he is. They also might not know who the hell he is because he hasn't won a fight in almost three years. That is an unfortunate reality. And I'm not trying to disrespect Cole Miller by saying this, but if you win your fights, you're much more likely to get that meeting. Uh, he has not won. He had he, had, he lost to Alex Caceres, Max Holloway, sure. Okay, no big deal. He had the no contest against uh, Ehlers, I think it was. Gosh, that was the Cerrone Dos Anjos card. He has been a terribly inconsistent fighter over the last six years. Really, he's, he's been, always been inconsistent, but he is a solid fighter. He's the type of fighter that the UFC just doesn't feel comfortable letting go of. Well, the old regime didn't. I'll ask you this. If he loses this fight, do you think WME, WME IMG says, here's your meeting, see ya? I, I, I yeah. Yeah, I, I I hate to say it. I think uh, this is it for Cole Miller. I mean, he's, he's making just, a lot of noise. He's got he's got to win. That's just the bottom line. You got to win if you want to stay on the roster. I mean, this this is not uh, a situation anymore where you know. And I think you're bang on. And you know, I'm I'm living proof. I'm a prime example that WWE and IMG have no idea who I am. Uh, you know, even though I tried to do what I had to do <laughs> to get at that UFC 206 show. Um, it, it is what it is, new ownership, but Cole Miller uh, needs to win. He needs to continue to win to, to not just remain relevant uh, at 145 pounds just yet, but he's got to remain on the roster. you got to win, and that's just the bottom line, because if he loses, especially against Hirota, it's, it's, it's lights out, son. It's, it's probably uh, the end of your career with, uh, with the UFC. You'll probably be looking elsewhere if you want to continue fighting. There are options for Cole Miller, oh, yeah. uh, but the bottom line is, is if he wants to stay, he's got to win, and that's just, that's just the way it is. Um, Cole Miller is the type of guy that Bellator would love to have on their roster. He is a solid fighter, but then you know, he'd come up and screw up their plans. Like That's, that's what always happens with Bellator. Their, their plans always get screwed up. Uh, I don't think Cole Miller hurts for work after this. The thing is, he's making a lot of noise outside of the cage without making a lot of noise inside the cage. And they especially don't like people like that. Uh, the Brendan Schaubs of the world, who we have talked about time and time again, who aren't the the biggest of names inside the cage, but then he steps up and says, uh, hey, what's up with this Reebok deal? I'm losing six figures per fight. 
And then Dana White says, oh, no, you're not. Fans say, oh, no, you're not. Then Joe Rogan says, well, he came and he showed me the slips. He's legit. And Brendan Schaub, he, he made that noise, and he ain't fighting anymore. And that's that's of his own that's of his own choice. But they don't like those people that make the noise outside of the cage without making it inside of the cage. They really don't like the ones that make noise outside of the cage anyway. They like everybody to be happy little soldiers, I'm sure. Cole Miller's not a happy little soldier, and if he doesn't win, I think he will unfortunately pay for it. And I guess Cyber uh, is another example as well with uh, whomever uh, is operating her Twitter account making noise outside of the cage, not making yeah. noise inside the cage, and just getting yourself well, she in trouble. Well, noise inside the cage. She's winning all the time. No, I know, but, but it's just it's one of those things that you know there's there's so much people for because of who she is inside the cage, not because of what she does outside of the cage. And then and that's the whole thing. And the, the people that are running her account, um, you know, we, we, we heard Dana White in the past talk about Nick Diaz. When Nick Diaz was, was at Strike Force, and, you know, he used to always put up his two fingers. If Nick Diaz would just play the game just a little bit, right? And there's tons of people out there that play the game, the UFC. So what do you think of Tyron so, Woodley? What do you think of Tyron Woodley calling out Nick Diaz? I'm like, this guy doesn't want to fight in five years, Joe. I don't want to see him fighting for a title. He doesn't deserve it. Money, 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 money. Money. He deserves it, he deserves it much less than, than Holly Holm deserves a featherweight championship fight. And yeah, money, money. I don't know what Nick Diaz adds at this point. Adds I don't know how many zeros to that bank account for Tyron Woodley. I don't know about that. At this point, the last – okay, so it certainly isn't going to do Silva-Diaz numbers. Silva-Diaz numbers were a damn good – well, for, for what that was. 650000 for a non-title fight, that's pretty good. They'd be lucky, in my opinion, after all the time that has passed, to get 400 450 out of that. And uh, I don't know. Maybe it does a couple hundred thousand more than a Woodley-Wonderboy rematch does. Maybe you're right, but – that's what I'm saying. So if you if you were to walk the streets and not and not talk to to that's true martial arts bubble outside of it, a casual fan, and you ask them who would you rather see, Tyron Woodley, they'd be like who, the UFC welterweight champion. Oh, who would you like him, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson or Nick Diaz? And what then they go, would be? is that Nate's? Is that Nate's brother? Either way, it's the point, Diaz because Nick never. I think it's great that that Nick is now considered Nate's brother instead of the other way around. It is funny, like yeah, in, right. <laughs> in casual circles. And, I mean, it used to be the exact opposite. People would be like, "Well, there goes Nick's little brother again." Not anymore. Uh, well, here's the sad reality: Brian Barberina is going to fight everybody on this card and beat them and upset them. <laughs> I, I was just waiting for you to get to Brian. It's so, awesome. Brian Barberina is like. Seventh from the top. Meanwhile, the guy he beat earlier this year is co-main eventing. Uh, Brian Barberino won four of or three or four fights in the UFC, including, you know, the UFC just he beat Warley Alves, he beat Sage Northcutt, uh, both guys who the UFC saw a lot of potential in. Colby Covington's another one. <laughs> he's another like uh, he's 28 years old, but he's very much a prospect. Five of six uh, wins in the UFC also beat Warley Alves. You think Brian Barberini can get it done here? They're they're really stacking the odds against this guy. I think he can. I think he really can. I think he's just one of those guys. He's just he reminds me of of you know my younger days when we we go out and you know everyone has a tough guy in the crew and you know it's it down they you just look over you want to handle that guy right and he he's that guy he's just the guy that just beats the crap out of everybody no one believes he can do it uh and, and people are going to start believing and i think he's going to be fine in this fight it's going to be a tough fight don't get me wrong but yeah i i know exactly what you're saying about barbarina i mean this guy is just fantastic in my opinion we have somebody uh on the board asking if they uh cut matt brown if they will cut matt brown i don't think they will i don't think they want bellator getting a hold of him Cut Matt Brown as, as, as listen. It's it's Matt Brown is is a throwback, um, you know, or not a throwback. I guess a, a 
type of fighter that you, you you hang on no matter if he loses and just hopefully he doesn't incur much more damage than what he does. But it's the old you know Japanese adage. You know, I, I when, when I was in where they're or doing play by play for Ryzen, that speech that Sakakibara gave to the fighters um, was was just it was unbelievable. It was just so uplifting, and he basically said, "I don't care if you win or lose. You come here and you fight." You fight for the fans that paid for that money for to come and watch you fight. Because if you don't compete, you're not going to be with Ryzen. And here you go, Matt Brown. You know, win or lose, will always come and fight. That poses the question: Is Vanderlei going to be with Ryzen? Say again. Is Vanderlei going to be with Ryzen? He doesn't want to fight. Apparently, uh, I know this is just another. Uh, we're talking about fighters that sometimes don't make sense. There's another example right there. He didn't want that. He didn't want that Crow Cup fight uh, at all. I, I I know for a fact just on his reaction when uh, when it all went down with Ryzen, he was preparing to do something else. as his first fight uh, as he walk, as he walks into the Ryzen ring, and it was Crow Cup that started it all uh, in his post fight interview that called him out. So yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting scenario as to what's going to happen. I actually have a call with Ryzen right after this podcast. Uh, another one later on tonight. So. Yeah, things are getting kind of interesting as we get closer to the show. What, we are two weeks away? Two weeks and one day away from the very first of the two shows, so the 29th of December. So, yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting ride for sure. Like, who does who does he want to fight? Like, he doesn't want to fight Crow Cop. He doesn't want to fight Chael Sonnen. He never did want to fight Chael Sonnen, I don't think. He wants Crazy Horse. That's what he wants. Yeah, of course he does. Crazy Horse is like 32 pounds. Why wouldn't he want to fight Crazy Horse? He hates him. He hates him, hates now him, can, hates him with a passion. Now that Vanderlei can take whatever the hell he wants, of course he wants a guy that's 20, 30 pounds lighter. Man. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, how do you think – what do you think about Colby Covington, uh, Brian Barberina? Who do you think takes that one? Maybe I missed your – your Yeah, I'm going to give the edge to Barberina. Uh, as much as some people will disagree, I'm going to go with Barberina in this fight couple more uh, decent-looking fights on the show. I mean, there's going to be more decent-looking fights, but fights to look out for. Irene Aldana making her UFC debut. She made quite the impression in Invicta, uh, competed for that championship. She's facing Leslie Smith, who... <laughs> that poor woman needs a 125 division, but she was competing at 140 pounds. Um, But this is this is the type of person, if you're bringing somebody into the UFC and you think that they have some potential, you want to test them against the likes of, of Leslie Smith, Joe. I mean, somebody who's going to make you earn that spot in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, she, ever, ever since she lost to Tanya Evinger, um, you know, Aldana's, you know, she's won two in a row. Um, although that Evinger fight is still weird to me. Um, but yeah, if you want to get tested, this is the right person to get tested. And if you can't get past Leslie, see over Avenger to fill out that no. 135 division if they do a 145? I don't think Tanya wants to compete there. <laughs> I don't think she wants anything to do with the UFC. As weird as it sounds. Why Why is that? Because, I mean, that, that's always been you know a question. She's outside. Of, I mean, she competed on the Ultimate Fighter and she got her ass kicked from what I remember, but outside of exhibition fights, I, she's won like 10 in a row. I think she beat she beat the brakes off of India Gomez, who was supposed to be the woman to fight Cyborg, if you remember. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think there's a disdain uh, that Tanya potentially has um, for Dana White. Uh, remove him from the equation, which is eventually going to happen. You already see John Jones throwing Ari Emanuel's name in headlines. Uh, so once that sort of who knows how long Dana is going to stay? To be honest with you, but um, you know, I think that's it's it's so it's so personal. I think for Tanya, in my opinion, I, I, I could be way off base here, uh, but just on on what I know from what I've heard, I think that's the issue there. But I think she should make the right call and and go over to the UFC uh, and and just you know whatever times remaining left uh, in her career, get some love from, for for all the work that you've done. What else do we have here? Oh, uh, Takeya Mizugaki, Eddie Wineland. These are a couple of guys who just hang around in that bantamweight division. <laughs> they uh, they make it work. They're two really tough guys. Wineland got as far as to compete for the interim UFC bantamweight championship. 
had a nice comeback win over Frankie Sines uh, in July. A performance of the night uh, is during that home Shevchenko show that got a lot of eyeballs on it too, especially for for a UFC on Fox show. Back down to the prelims, even though he had that performance of the night, uh, has been fighting in the Midwest like the last two or three years. Like hasn't really fought outside of Chicago or, or Cincinnati. Now he's heading over to to Sacramento facing Takeo Mizugaki, who you can never count on for a win or a loss. Uh, this is a guy who had won five in a row, beat Goito, beat Francisco Rivera, beat Brian Caraway. But he gets those top-level guys, the Dominic Cruises, the Aljamain Sterlings, the Cody Garbrandts, and he kind of struggles. Eddie Wineland, I don't think, is a top-level guy anymore. He is a guy who we have talked – we, we said it on, in the, on the July show. He's had one foot out the door, and you know how we feel about guys who have had one foot out the door. But with the way that a lot of people perform with one foot out the door these days – Maybe maybe that mentality should change because some of these people maybe it, it relieves a sense of pressure for them. How do you think this fight goes? I, I don't see any either of these being a factor in the bantamweight division above the top five ever again. But it's a good fight. Yeah, I, I, I was your eyeballs there. I wanted to make sure you were scanning down the card to ensure you got to this fight because uh, this. <laughs> let's be honest, this could be another candidate uh, for fight of the night because neither one of these guys. Uh, wants to lose because they know what's at stake. They've been around the game for a long time. They know that you know they're they're they've both got exceptional skill sets, but their time is limited. Uh, and when you know your time is coming to an end, you're probably going to hang on for dear life and put on some damn good performances. Rarely do we see guys that are at the end not at least put up a fight. I think these two here are going to put on a spectacular fight. I'm going to give the edge uh, to Takeya Mizugaki in this fight here. Uh, but Eddie Wineland, could, you know, he, he can turn this thing on a heartbeat. You know, uh, if he does what Dominic Cruz did to Mizugaki, shock and awe, he could emerge victorious. If Mizugaki just, you know, puts that heart, that Japanese heart out there and just, just fights and fights and fights and fights, he could take this thing in a decision. I mean, anything can happen in this fight. I like it. Um, you know, I understand why. Excuse me. It's on the UFC Fight Pass prelims. It's it's for the hardcore fans that know the names and that will tune in uh, and drive some numbers up on Fight Pass. But I like this fight. I'm I'm, I'm going to enjoy it for, for sure. As soon as that bell sounds, looking forward to see how it all breaks down. Joseph Duffy is set to test the free agent market. He is going to fight out his contract and see where things go. This is a guy, Joe, that before his loss. People were saying, hey, if that Conor McGregor guy ever decides to go up to 155 and they want to test him out for a fight, natural, that because uh, Joe Duffy had beaten him, that hype is completely gone. Completely, 100% gone now that McGregor uh, has the lightweight championship and Duffy lost earlier this year. But he is open to uh, exploring free agency. I think Bellator would love to have a guy who beat Conor McGregor on their roster, and they would love to have Jimmy Smith sitting there saying, the guy who beat Conor McGregor, 17 <laughs> times a fight. Yeah, I, I understand where you call it that. Um, yeah, it's a risky proposition, though, unless you know for sure uh, you want to. Sorry to interrupt. It would be like WCW back in the 1990s. What they would do in the 1990s, they would, whenever one of their wrestlers would leave for WWF, they would run clips of their current wrestlers beating the shit out of the guy who just left and say, this is where the big boys play. (laughs) (laughs) Totally get it. So what do you think about Duffy's prospects as a free agent? Listen, man, becoming a free agent in mixed martial arts is going to get much, much better as time goes on you know that is going to get cut this raw this ufc roster is going to begin to get trimmed uh which means a lot of fighters are going to be migrating over to other organizations namely the ones that are considered two or two a uh whether it is bellator whether it is ryzen whether it is i guess you consider the world series of fighting there are going to be fighters that are now going to be finding new homes and you chances are you're going to want to find homes uh where you make the most money because if you can't do it with the ufc uh you better figure it out we all know viacom's got money uh we know in japan there's some money to be spent out there uh so duffy becoming a free agent um wouldn't surprise me whatsoever it is a risky proposition when you go to fight out your contract um so i think i think you'll be fine it's just a matter of what does he choose to do hey duffy chandler is a fight i would love to see 
I would love oh, yeah. Duffy versus Chandler. That's that's a hell of a fight right there. So Angela Hill was set to return to the UFC later this month. Uh, she just boy did that woman earn her way back, and she did it in in quick fashion. She was cut by the UFC last year, and she just she showed up in Invicta and she kicked ass. That's going to be on hold, and she was very emotional about it in, in announcing this. But uh, after after being cut literally maybe a year ago, she won four fights and the Invicta Strawweight Championship. She was set to uh, to compete later this month, but USADA has a thing where if you are returning to the UFC and you have been in the USADA pool before, you have to wait four months. Unfortunately for her, she was in the USADA pool last year. She earned her way back, but now has to sit out. Meanwhile... If they signed anybody off the street, they signed my wife to compete in the UFC, she's not subject to that. Are you in favor of that rule or against it? That's a good question. Um, rule. Anything that's going to basically – yeah, it's tough to say. It, it is tough to say. It's it's – what is what – is, what is safest for the fighters that are competing? They want them to compete as clean as possible. No ifs, ands, or buts. So, uh, you know, as much as I love Angela Hill, um, it, it sucks that she's basically going to have to suffer because of this. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one to dissect, Sean. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, th- I think it should be that way if you're coming out of retirement. Like if Uriah Faber in two or three months says, I want to come back. Yeah, they should be. There should be a four month wait policy. Uh, BJ Penn, well, not BJ Penn. Uh, that's a bad example. He wasn't around during the USADA thing. I think it should be done to make sure you're not cycling while you're while you're retired. But last minute replacement fights, I don't know. Uh, a couple more quick things to get to before we go. Also, guys, follow at Fightful online on Twitter and Facebook. Support the support the, the website. We've got your best wrestling, MMA, boxing news, exclusives, interviews, podcasts, features. we got all kinds of stuff over there. Like I said, go hang out in those live coverage areas. Have some fun. Talk about the fights. Break it down. And then we do a podcast after everything. CM Punk says he's going to fight again. This is pretty much what he said. Is there any interest from you to see him fight again? Sorry, did you see him punk? Yeah. He's fighting. Uh, per I don't his know. Claims. I guess my answer is no after what we saw the first time. Uh, but I'm all, I'm all for people that, you know, everyone gets a second chance. Everyone deserves a second chance. But at Fight, fight Pass, there, sell those subscriptions. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it is odd, Sean. I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I want to see him compete again, to be honest with you. Yeah. I would like to see him compete against somebody more on his level and on Fight Pass. I don't want to see him monopolizing a pay-per-view spot. Uh, Junior Dos Santos versus Stefan Struve headlines UFC Fight Night 105 in Halifax uh, on February 19th. Are they mad at Stefan Struve? I'm going to go with what is yes for $500, Alex Trebek. Stefan Struve does not like to punch people, and as it turns out, he apparently likes to get punched a whole lot. And Junior Dos Santos is a high-volume puncher. I think this is going to be real bad for Stefan Struve. It's not going to be an easy fight, to say the least. Uh, you know, it's... it's I don't know. Junior Dos Santos is a bit of an enigma right now in his career, but uh, you know he's, he's looking to get back up there uh, to getting a title shot uh, or taking out some of the guys at the top of the division. And, you know, Stefan Struve is the guy that's going to be standing in his way right now, and Stefan Struve is going to have to hold his ground if he's going to win this fight, that's for sure, or get it down to the ground, like, right away. Crazy to think, but Dos Santos is looking for his first back-to-back victories since 2011-2012. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy that to think? That is crazy, yeah. Also, this will be the first time that he uh, – well, no, it'll be – let's see. I'll put this in perspective. Last question. He's competed once a year, 2014, 2015, 2016. You think he stays more active next year? If he can remain healthy, of course, yeah. I mean, both of these two guys are, are have had shoulder issues. So 
and knee issues. Or yeah, and and obviously he's strewed with his heart issues. So these are two guys that I'm not going to say are damaged goods, but they've gone through a lot uh, with their bodies. So if they can remain, if, if Junior can remain healthy, yeah, we'll be seeing him compete a lot more for sure. He has not competed more than twice a year since 2010, and I think, yeah, 2010. Unbelievable. Guys, follow us at Fightful Online. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Anything you want to tell the people before we go, Joe? No, thank you to everyone that basically tuned in uh, today at our new time slot, uh, 1 o'clock on Wednesdays. Uh, always a good time talking to my boy Sean. And uh, we'll do it again, uh, what, after probably after the, the event on Saturday, if not Sunday. And yeah. look, look forward to seeing us every Wednesday. Yeah, we'll find out what time. We'll post it on Fightful.com. Hey, guys, as always, head over to the Fightful.com forums. Send in questions to Joe, me, Matt Riddle, Shane Helms. I'm back with Matt Riddle tomorrow afternoon and Shane Helms Friday afternoon. Uh, But, yeah, we'll talk about a time. Fox shows in pretty early. Maybe we'll be able to do that one right after the show. Guys, until next time, we're out.